Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noel Woolahan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, including some that ran only one episode. Except when we don't, and it's run four seasons and a board game. With me as always is TV's Noah Woolahan. Take this! There's no justice here. That's Spoiler. From, this is the third season! <laughs> uh, so, we're going to run through this pretty quickly because we have a lot we want to cover. Yes. So, I just want to get this out of the way quickly. Uh, we have, at time of recording, watched the first three seasons now yes. of Escape the Night. We are going to talk a little bit about Season 2 and 3. But we're going to try to keep that to the end to avoid spoilers for, for everyone. So if you're here just for the Season 1 review, uh, we understand. But we, we have a lot to say, so we're probably going to move a little bit quicker than we usually do yes. when it comes to uh, these episodes. So hold on tight. We're going to go rip-roaring through this pretty quick. But first. But first, let's pour one out. Yeah, we're going to pour one out for all those dead YouTubers. All those dead YouTubers. So uh, the fandom calls their favorites, who are usually the very sweet, kind characters, the cinnamon roll. Yes. Uh, This is reserved for characters like Ollie and Eva. Precious, cute characters. Yes. So I have made a mudslide with banana and cinnamon to be the cinnamon roll. The cinnamon roll. It's sweet and a little wholesome. Because it's got nice. real fruit in it. That's very good. I like that one. What do you I have? Like that one. Mind complicated. Mind complicated. All right. So I, I've made a shot. Mine's delicious. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I made a shot that is of uh, peanut butter whiskey. And I'm calling this Joey. Because Joey's a little bit nutty, a little fun, but he's still strong and has kick to it. And then I'm going to add a little bit of grenadine. Oh no, he's he's been mortally wounded. And then I'm going to drop him into this glass of Guinness as Joey sinks into the darkness. Oh, and it's called the Kill Joey. And it's also a car bomb, which is something that happens in this season. So I call it the Kill Joey. So peanut butter whiskey doesn't do what Bailey's does. <laughs> this shot glass just kind of sank and has no effect on the outside oh, of the drink. Oh, it does because it tastes a lot like peanut butter. It's really good. <laughs> I'm very happy with my choice here. Uh, but mine has layers. It's It's got peanut butter and, and it's a car bomb and someone should kill Joey. Mine's a cinnamon roll. So let's get started. I like the cute sweet characters. And I just want to kill Joey. And <laughs> let's get started. Joey's with, not a cinnamon roll. With uh, part two of season one. And I'd like to open with uh, something that I meant to bring up earlier. Mm-hmm. That uh, was an issue I had throughout the show. Mm-hmm. And that's the fact that this show doesn't have a host. 
Yes. And I, I mentioned this in some other podcasts that I that we've done, and I mentioned this on Twitter, and I kept getting the same response, which is, there's a host, it's Joey. That's not what I mean when I say there, there needs to be a host. I'm saying a Jeff Probst, J.D. Roth, driver of the boat. I, I hear what you're saying. You miss Luke Tipple. No, that is not at all what I am saying. How dare you say that? I do not miss Luke Tipple. He came up with my suggested follow, or the Stay Doomed suggested follows, and I follow almost everybody who's in a show we're doing. From Opposite World, for example. Yeah. And uh, that one, I was like, no, No, I'm good. That stays unclicked. Uh, But uh, I feel like it needs a bit of a driving force to, to, like, clue these people who are clueless in on what needs to be done. It's the Ouija board. I mean, in a way, it's it's the butler. Because mm-hmm. the butler will kind of come in and say something here and there, but there's no host. And I, fe- I always felt like that was a presence that was missing because, like, it... It would have lessened the confusion of the show. I wanted to state that now because we're going to come back to that thought in a little bit. So the uh, we're going to start with episode six because we covered one through five yes. in the last episode. And it's called, Did Someone Call for an Exorcist? And it starts yes. with a very dramatic cinematic of um, a priest who cannot save a young woman who's been possessed by demons. And she commits suicide in front of... Her family and the priest, and it's very traumatic for him. Yeah. So that's the premise of this episode, is it's the exorcism episode. The note that Joey and Tim find early on is like, by the way, the house is evil. (laughs) Yeah, in case you have forgotten, the Um, house is evil. And that's why they need to free the house from its five former owners. Yes, because at this point they think... The artifacts are found. They have the artifacts, so they think they're done. Mm -hmm. And then they're like... And th- there's still a large group of them. There's still, what, eight mm-hmm. at this point? So they're like, oh, we're all going to make it. And they're like, no, 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 no. More games for you. Yeah. Because uh, we still have, to remind everybody, uh, Sierra, Matt, Joey, Tim, Eva, Ollie, and Lele. So we have seven. Seven, excuse me. Um. So they're all still in play. So... They have to now free the owners. It's this very Casper unfinished business. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, So the priest who couldn't do the exorcism has not come to terms with that and he needs their help. So it's just kind of like weirdly benevolent. Uh, And this is a thing we see throughout Escape the Night of like, you end up having to kill someone you came in with to free a rando. Yes. And... It's a very strange thing. So they kind of split up into two groups to get the rosary and the holy water they now need for the exorcism. Because they need to perform an exorcism to free the spirit of the priest. Yes. And I'm I'm game for this because they immediately break them up into two teams, which makes everything more manageable when mm-hmm. there's a lot of people. So like I'm like on board with this type of puzzle. We have Team Cinnamon Roll. We have Eva, Joey, and Ollie. Yes. And then we have Team Lele, Matt, Sierra, and Tim. Yes. Uh, so they find all these, like, demon names, and they, they solve the puzzle. The, the puzzles, they're always so hard to follow. 
Like we watched them solve the puzzles, but like I never remember details about the puzzles. Yes. It's not one of the experiences that we at home are either, and we said this in the previous episode, where we are either solving it along with them and trying to figure it out, or they do the dramatic irony thing of, we know the answer, we're just seeing them struggle. We're in this weird world of, we don't know what's going on, and then they have it. And we're like, oh, okay, at least they have it. Yeah, like occasionally with season three, we were able to solve riddles before. Because it was a lot of riddles. Yes. So we were able to like figure it out maybe a split second before the characters. Mm-hmm. And that was a little more fun. Yeah, it makes it feels very much like an escape the room. The mm-hmm. way you experience an escape the room is participating in it. Watching it from the outside, watching someone else do an escape the room doesn't sound that great for me unless I've designed it and I know all the answers and I'm waiting to see them get it. We need to be in one of those roles. We need to either be actively trying to solve it or in the know, and we're just not. They end up uh, getting the holy water and getting the rosary. And Matt, they have to vote two people into the exorcism. Yes. As usual. And Matt volunteers because he's playing into the professor role. Yeah, like this would be something he'd be good at. Yeah, like I know things. And then he kind of like tries to back out. This really isn't anything new. These are things that I've seen. These are things that I've studied. And I believe that I'm probably best fit to perform this exorcism. I watch a lot of scary movies. I'll do an exorcism. All right. Well, that's okay. Well, that's one. Mass, you'd volunteered yourself. Uh, he volunteered himself. I did, but I feel like I wasn't thinking clearly. I, you know. You can't do that. You can't what kind of do crazy that. I know I can help with the exorcism, but I need to survive. I have too much to live for. This was a mistake. Matt, would you like to? I told you guys. Volunteer the first name holders. for the vote. Yeah, I think it, he may have been trying to play this like. Uh, I'm brave enough to go in and then wait for everyone to be like, no, Matt, we need you. But instead they're like, oh, oh yeah, all right, Matt's in, cool. Who who else? <laughs> and Sierra has been harping on the fact that uh, the majority of previous deaths have been female. Yes. Uh, outside of Shane, it's been Andrea, Justine, and Glozell. So we've lost way more women than men. Yes. And Sierra's kind of been harping on that. Mm-hmm. So... Sierra also gets voted in mm-hmm. because she's been complaining. And usually if we see a lot of, this is an old reality show standard of if we see a lot of you complaining, you're probably going in. Yeah. <laughs> because even though the uh, death eliminations are not manipulated, uh, the editing is. Of course. Yeah. So if we know we're going to lose somebody at the end of an episode, we're going to see more of that conflict between Sierra and Matt. Mm-hmm. So that the story of the episode makes more sense, right? So, um, they go downstairs, and Sierra has to uh, hold down this exorcist girl, this possessed woman, this possessed girl, and uh, she has to hold her down and repeat an incantation over and over again and say a prayer. Yes, and there's there's some sort of like. It has to be perfect thing that they kind of throw in there. If she lets go of the girl, she dies. Yeah. Um, And then Matt has tasks. He has three tasks that are given to him. 
And then the last part will reveal itself when he is done. Yes. So they get through it and... Well, let me jump in here because what I found most interesting about this challenge is this no longer felt like a reality show challenge. This more than anything so far just felt like a scene from a horror movie Mm -hmm. where it was just like... Like, even the way it was shot was chaotic. Like, the camera shook a little bit. Yeah. And, like, it was kind of hard to follow because of the chaos going around it. And it felt more story-based than it did, I'm in a reality show competition. And I found that interesting. Then we get to the final part of this. Yeah, he kind of, he does... The uh, the symbols on the floor. He does the candles in a star pattern. He sets up the rest of the exorcism while she prays. Things start falling all over the room. Which yes. reminds me a lot of the Prank Academy episode. Yeah, that one Prank Academy. Where they rig up the room to like start falling apart on yeah, somebody. Yeah, the epic mealtime guy. And then he reads only the first few words of the last step. And he pours holy water all over the young woman. Mm-hmm. And then he throws the rosary onto Sierra. Yes. Who immediately starts to convulse and die and dies turns out he realizes as soon as sierra has passed that there was more to the note and he could have chosen to die himself yeah he needed to either put it on sierra or himself and then whoever was wearing the rosary would die now at this point i am baffled because i was like why would someone choose to eliminate themselves from the game. Like, then they won't win the prize. What prize? And that's when it all clicked. This was you like... You and I actually had this conversation off mic th- th- after this episode. Yeah, this is the moment where for the first time I understood the show. There is no prize. This really isn't a reality show. This is a LARP. Yes, And I was just like, once I changed the way I saw this, because it presents as a reality show with competitions, eliminations, uh, confessionals. But like when you really break it down, it is a group of people working together to tell an organic story that has gameplay elements in it. Yes. And I was like, oh, this is a LARP. He could have chosen to go out the hero and that would have just been the end of his story. Story. That's why they're all characters. Like, all the gears started moving, and I was like, wait a minute. Who's the host of a D&D game? The Dungeon Master, who is not present in the story. They're removed from it, but are still the one telling the story. That's why they're no host. Oh, everything opened up after this. And I know I was really critical in the previous episode of our podcast, like like talking about game theory and things like that. It is the improper way to view this show. Right. And it wasn't until this moment where I was like, I get it. This is all brilliant. And I think one of the issues is, I don't think in season one, the contestants necessarily get it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this a little more in later seasons where the, the contestants... Uh, once we're up to season three, the contestants understand what they're doing. Yes. And the show works better because of it. So much better. Um, but like once, like this episode to me is the turning point of the series. Yeah. And once we had that, I was just like, oh, 
I absolutely understand this now, and I'm 100% on board. Like, to the point where I considered I didn't do it. But I kind of wanted to go back and watch the first five episodes again with that new mindset. This show does have some rewatch value. Yes, absolutely. So I, like, at this point, I, I'm, I'm proud of the show <laughs> because, like, it tricked me. And now that, like, I've been tricked and then I kind of figured it out, its hooks are deep in me. And mm-hmm. now I'm ready for the ride. And sadly... Uh, Sierra's also the last death that doesn't really feel like it has a story attached to it. Um, True. Sierra's death does feel very meaningless. Uh, Sierra, you could argue it's a fridge situation because Matt's storyline is very much dictated by this episode for the rest of his run on the series. Yes. Um. So you see some of that. You see how... Other characters' deaths affect them. Yeah. And again, that is done much more in seasons two and three. uh, When they really take the time to... uh, They really must impress upon the YouTubers to establish relationships. Yeah. uh, Which I don't think they necessarily do in the first one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we don't see a lot of really strong relationships between the characters or between the people in this first season. And we're on episode six. Yeah. And, like, we don't have that strong emotional connection to anyone yet. I I feel like by the end of episode six, I have that connection with everyone who is left. I don't like Matt. I I don't like Matt, but, like, I know Matt, and he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. Like, he's pompous and, like, aloof and, like, kind of gets under my skin. But, like... I have that relationship with him. While Sierra was kind of like, in the background, didn't, I didn't really connect with. Yeah, like, Tim, he really leans into the slimy douchebag yeah, persona. Yeah, lovable douche. And is fun with it. Lele is a competent, loose cannon. And it makes her very entertaining to watch. Yes. And, and I'm just talking about, like, at this point. And Eva is smart. Yes. Like, you kind of get the impression they wouldn't last a day without Eva. Yeah. Ollie, I don't really have a connection with at this point. Ollie, he's I, nice. I, no, I feel like Ollie's a leader. Like, he's kind of like the heart of the group. Like, there's so many times where he's the one who's saying stuff like, Guys, Shane is dying. Like, he's the one that kind of keeps everyone focused he's on He's the like, jughead? A kid is dead, Archie. A kid is dead, Archie. Oh, good. I got that out of the way early. Yeah. Um, Apologize for the last episode, by the way. Guys, I'm really sorry. I forgot to make fun of Riverdale in the last episode. I've been I've been chastised repeatedly. Uh, I would like to just make a formal apology. I also would like to apologize to Sabrina that somehow got canceled when Riverdale didn't. Sabrina got canceled. Yeah, Sabrina just got canceled. Oh no! More than one season. I I know that, but like I heard Sabrina was really good. Yeah, you know what got canceled after one season? Katie Keene. I know. It's on the list. Yep. Star of Life Sentence spinoff of Riverdale. It's, I know. It's coming. We're it's coming, coming, guys. Spoilers. Um, so the group is pretty mad at Matt. And that's how that episode ends. Well, Matt's like super... He beats himself up. Because and he's honest. He doesn't lie about uh, what happened. I killed her. You killed Wait, her? It was an accident. 
This is what I'm thinking when I see Matt. I give up. He's not gonna die, he's literally working for the demon. So you didn't read the whole thing? I didn't read the whole thing because it was, it was on a time constraint. I was trying to go as fast as I could. Part of me is like, I understand, I, but I the other part of you, me just makes you look so sketchy right I know. now. I we knew, don't know what went on. I knew, how, just... I knew how it was gonna look when I walked up here. He, he kind of comes back and for the, the next episode, it's like, I could have saved her and I should. So now I don't care anymore because I should be dead. Yeah. He, he very much has that, like, uh, to use the TV tropes term, the heroic blue screen of death, where he kind of, like, has a very difficult time processing what he has done, and he blames himself for her death. Right. And he takes on a very nihilistic attitude for the next episode, mm-hmm. which is the mermaid episode, which is where my cocktail from episode one of this uh, miniseries <laughs> took its name. Yes. Madison... Is a mermaid. Is a mermaid. And Tim... A murder maid. A murder maid that they find chained up in the tub so that she can live. Uh, and uh, Tim immediately talks about her boobs. Like, immediately. Please help me! I don't know what she is. She's, like, scary. Her mouth's sliced open. She has gill titties. Really nice gill titties. But am I turned on? Am I scared? Am I both? I was both. In Tim's defense... They do not go the Little Mermaid route. Like, she's not wearing any kind of, like, seaweed or clam bra or what have you. Uh, the way they got around showing boobs on YouTube mm-hmm. is they put uh, gill prosthetics on oh, her chest. Yes, over the nipples. Yeah, so they gave her gill boobs. Yes. And Tim notices them. Mm-hmm. And he can't really blame him. The cinematic is that they, they do make Madison... Um, Despite being a murder mermaid, she is sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Because the person we see her become a mermaid to murder is her abusive husband. Yes. So, ah, yeah. she's not a bad person. Yeah, you can't. You kind of can't hold it against her. And she needs to make peace with her memory, and they need to bring her her daughter's doll. Yes. This is the doll episode as well, right? Um... Yes. Yeah, so we have mermaids and creepy dolls. There's which always, is always a doll episode. Which is a weird group together of mermaids and dolls. Adam Lawson, I know you're listening. Are you afraid of dolls? Because, like, dolls come up in almost every season. This is true. Because I believe they they definitely come up in season three. Yes. And I believe they come up in season I two. I think they do as well. Um. So I'm going to guess he's personally afraid of creepy dolls. I mean, who isn't? They're terrifying. But usually, like, an author will present a thing they are afraid of frequently as the big scary thing. Tolkien was very famously afraid of spiders, and that's why there's a giant spider in Lord of the Rings. Oh. Uh, That's something people do. Mm. Bruce Wayne was afraid of bats. Yes. So, uh, they need to bring her her doll. And uh, they find a locked safe, and eventually, this is one where I feel like they miss a clue. Yeah. Because this is one where they go to the spirit board. Yeah, the spirit board has to help them in this one. Which I like that as a mechanic of having them, having a spirit board as like the hint. Because this one, uh, the help are not really the helper characters, really. Like the gardener, the maid, and the butler don't really help them. Yeah. The same way uh, there are help characters in the other seasons. Yeah, there's. 
a moment I remember where Joey was like, what did the clue read? And the butler came in and was just like, I think it said, and then recited it perfectly, mm-hmm. which was very much a, just go, go tell them they're not getting it and they don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, this is also for want of a nicer way to put this. This is also the slowest season with the puzzles. Yes. Um, but Eva is all over it. The spirit board says floor. Eva's crawling around and like claws up a vent. Yes. Which is like a power move. Mm-hmm. And she finds the coins they need because they need to weigh her husband's name in gold. Yes. So then uh, Tim and Eva figure out that puzzle and they manage to get the mermaid song because they need to lure the mermaids into the pool house. Oh, yeah. There, there are other murder mermaids around. We kind of forgot to mention that, that are not chained up in a bathtub. Yeah, and they're not, like, friendly murder mermaids? No, they're murder murder mermaids. Yes. <laughs> That's a tough one. Murder mermaids. Murmur- <laughs> See? It's very tough. It's very tough. It would have been easier before we started the pour one out segment. Yeah. Um. So they get the record with the mermaid song. So they put it in a record player and they put it in the pool house. And they lock the other murder mermaids in the pool house. And they have to get the three victims of the mermaids out of the pool. Mm-hmm. And this is when Lele power moves. Yeah. Lele just drops trowel. And thank God some, they, they take her mic off. Which does break a little immersion. Yeah. But... I was a little afraid she was going to jump in, Mike and all. Um, <laughs> and so and so does Joey. Joey gets in to help her. Yeah. Because uh, this is not a challenge. Yes. Uh, I'd like to, to point out that I, I, I was talking to my new best friend, Adam Lawson. And one of the things I asked was, uh, did anything in season one go wrong or not as planned? And he replied, the biggest thing is that each episode, you did not know who was going to die. So that changed the narrative each time. Other things were just small, such as Joey and Lele jumping in the pool. <laughs> so I, I didn't ask him to follow up on that, but that implies that they weren't supposed to have to get in the pool for this. That's amazing. And... One thing that we got to point out is we noticed in, like, episode three that in the confessionals, Lele looks like something happened to her. She looks like a drowned rat. <laughs> yeah, she's got, like, some running eyeliner and, like, she looks a little messy. And her hair isn't this elegant, like, updo in the first few episodes. And we at some point notice in the uh, confessionals... That her hair is messed up. So when they run to the pool, Laura just turns to me and goes, I bet you Lele jumps into the pool. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you know? <laughs> I wanted to take a quick second and check something. Yep. Uh, it's not for a couple of episodes that we see Lele's hair a mess. Right. in the first episode confessionals, her hair is still perfect. Right. So she mu- they must have done like the first half of the show's confessionals. After the first half of the show runs, Mm -hmm. and then done the rest of them later. Right. Because there's never a character you really see like that again. Yeah. Uh, Usually, I noticed it with MatPat in season three, Mm -hmm. and this is through all the confessionals, not just specific episodes. 
his hair is way more messed up in game than it is in the confessional. Yes. Uh, this is the only time where before her hair was messed up in game, it was messed up in the confessional. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's like a continuity error they realized and later took steps to not do. Maybe. Uh, so they they just jump in and like Joey and Lele go hard. Yes, they're they swimming, go really hard. They're picking up bodies and Matt isn't helping. And Matt and ta- Matt and Lele have been antagonizing each other. Yeah. But then Matt, like, kind of makes, like, a gross remark about Lele's body. He's just clapping, like, yeah, take it off, or something like that. Yes, guys, take it off. This is my kind of dinner party. You're such, you're such a sick ass. He, he was just laughing like he always does. <laughs> and then Lele is a beast. Yes. Like, Joey is also helpful, but, like, Lele commands this part of the game. And eventually, like... Matt kind of was like, wow, she really earned my respect. Yeah, because she was always he was always anti-Lele. Yes. Because Lele went into two death challenges and came back alive. So Matt didn't trust her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they get these body parts and they receive some sort of uh, riddle about phases of the moon. Yes. And uh, Matt, tr- like, puts forth a, a, th- a theory about what this puzzle could mean. And someone asks him to like explain more and he's like, So we need to twist it until it gets to the full moon maybe? Does it switch behind? Maybe we add up the time it takes to go from the crescent moon to the full moon. And Which is that's what? the common. Uh, like I said, astrophysics is a little complicated, probably a little bit over your head. I'm really disappointed with Matt. And it was like, oh, he's playing the character. Oh, right, because it's a LARP. Yes. Okay, cool. And this is the only time that I remember where there's a shot where they're all trying to talk about moons. And the shot comes from the ground. And you see a turtle that has a moon sticker on the shell. Yes. And it's like, this is the thing I'm talking about where it's like, okay, here's dramatic irony. We as the audience know that they need to look at these turtles, but they haven't figured it out yet. Yes. That's the stuff I love. So they're able to, like, the other four, because Matt really doesn't do anything in this challenge. Um, He kind of, like, blusters about not being able to explain moon phases. And then they find uh, a tablet that says, like, two guests must be chosen to go find the doll in the doll room. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has a doll room. Actually, all of these places so far have had a doll room. Right. Uh, which will haunt them forever. And they choose Tim. The gangster. The gangster. And obviously, Matt. Yeah, because Matt has kind of given up. Yeah, and this isn't the last time we see you've given up as a reason for someone to be put in a challenge. Yeah. And last time in the series. I think that's the only time in this season we see that be the reason someone's thrown in. Yes. And... This is a pretty good challenge. Yes. Uh, Basically... Each of them are given three, like, nursery rhymes, and they have to find the appropriate dolls that go with the rhyme. At the very beginning of the challenge, though, they have to take a drink from a glass of wine to find out more. Right. This was my drink from last episode. And they do a cute thing where they do the, like, hook arms and drink from the glasses, and then the note comes out and it's like, LOL, you've been poisoned. Yes. Um, So then they're given the nursery rhymes. And, and only if you get the the first person to solve their puzzle will get the antidote. But but if you're wrong, it won't be an antidote. 
It'll be more poison. It'll be, yeah, poison or poison. It'll be, it'll accelerate. Yes. And Matt, like, immediately like, maybe we should help each other. Tim's like, no! What are you talking about? And they have to stay on their side of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Matt's not good at either. Yeah, Matt tries to go on Tim's side of the room. And at one point you went, well, why wouldn't you just let him on his side of the room? I was like, well, what if Matt takes a doll Tim needs? If Matt took a doll Tim needs, uh, but uses it in his dollhouse, he's wrong and thus will die. Yeah, you just have to wait him out, essentially. Yeah. And uh, of the nursery rhymes, there's one I recognize. Because mm-hmm. uh, Lizzie Borden is one of the rhymes. Yeah. Uh, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her father 40 wanks. Yeah. Uh, and then when she was done, she gave her mother 41. Yes. So they're... Going back and forth, looking at these dolls. One of them is burned, and there's one about, like, a fire. and One with a cute little axe. Uh, Matt gets his down, like, a moment before Tim's. And a drawer opens with a green vial in it. And Matt drinks it. After saying something to the effect of, like, I'm 100% sure I'm right. Yes. And Tim was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt drinks it, vomits, and falls into the dollhouse. Yeah, like falls through the dollhouse, like Mick Foley through the cell. Yes. And Tim goes, I think I've got mine right. I really do. You gotta be missing something. I'm missing something too. I don't think I got it. No, I think I got, no, I think I got it. it. Ah. Dude, if you're wrong, you die. I think I'm almost positive I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if it's you, but. Yes! Oh my God. Are you okay? Oh my God. The antidote is attached to the back of the drawer. Ah, yes! What was that? Okay. Coming downstairs. Yes! Yes! Oh my god. What happened? What? Timothy, tell Um, us everything. We went in there and they poisoned us both. And, And I got the antidote. Oh, what is well that? And this is the doll that we need for the mermaid lady's little girl. That looks disgusting. Or, yeah. Well, let's go give it to her, guys. Yeah. Come on, let's go. Ah, she's still there. Okay. We got your doll. Am I giving this? Yeah, here you go. We got it for you. She can be free now. I wanted to get a number. Now what? We freed her. I guess we just find the next owner. Let's go. Woo! There we go. All right. So who's the next owner?
Which I loved. <laughs> yeah, because, like, he's dead, Tim. Yes. Like, but Tim is so, like, comically earnest in that moment. Mm-hmm. And Tim's been really smug and silly this whole time. So Tim having that, like, you good, dude? Yeah. Very funny. Uh, it's at this point where Tim is, like, really emerging as, like, a very fun player of the game. Yes. Uh, I like him a lot. And what's really... Then, like, Tim uh, gets a note that's like, hey, by the way, the antidote is taped under the drawer. Yes. So neither of the spring-loaded drawers had an antidote in it. Yeah, I guess that's what that would mean. Or or I guess another drawer would have come out that said, had that note in it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so Tim grabs the doll and goes downstairs and... For not the last time in Escape the Night, but for the first time, someone comes back from a death challenge and everyone's like, hey, we're so glad. <laughs> yeah. Hi, this is Tim. We sure do love our friend Tim. This is Hi, the outcome Tim. we wanted. Yeah. And it's very rare in Escape the Night death challenges for everyone to be like simultaneously like, sweet. Yeah. Uh, there's one in season three. Yes. Where a character who is very well liked goes up a against a character who is not very well-liked pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And then when the well-liked character returns, there isn't even a comment of mourning. No. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, they free the mermaid. She vanishes from the tub. And Tim is upset that he never got any mermaid boob. Yep. Uh, and Tim is very much a precursor of what the show turns into. Yes. Uh, because Tim, Tim walked... So Manny and Nikita in season three could run. <laughs> yes. Like making those funny little asides that are not necessarily time appropriate, but are going to appeal to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, like Tim feels like he almost would have been better in a later season. Yeah. I'll go more into detail about that once we, we wrap up this season. Yeah. So the next season, or the next season, da-da-da-da-da, um, the next episode starts with a cinematic about World War One. Yes. So we're getting like... Actually, if I may interrupt, the next episode uh, starts with, with a, a warning and a disclaimer that the following episode features a scene of Russian roulette. Viewer discretion is advised. We're like, ooh, interesting. I mean, this is the first episode that's had what uh, would be called in TV speak, imitable acts. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get eaten by a mermaid. You could physically do this next one. Yeah. Um, so it actually runs an imminent, like, a don't do this at home disclaimer. Mm-hmm. And, like, emphasizes that people are safe and that it's fine. Yeah. Um, that it's not really a... It, essentially, it does the who done it. nobody's actually dead mm-hmm. kind of disclaimer. Then we get the World War One cinematic. And it's uh, three soldiers... Who find gold. Yes. And look at it as their ticket out of the war. And then we see them later and um, they are corrupted by it. Right. And one soldier kills his comrades Mm -hmm. to have more of a share of the gold. And the soldier's name is Colin and he is attractive. Yes. Uh, Eva and Lele uh, look at him like he is water in the desert. (laughs) Yes. Like, they're not even a little bit subtle about it. Like, 
not approaching subtle. So they have to go retrieve Colin's last bar of gold. Right. To bring him to peace. And essentially Colin has a flashback and make, they all kind of join him at war. And Eva, uh, Colin gives Eva a grenade and tells her to throw it in the window. And he pulls the pin and Eva just like bolts and just chucks it in. She's like, yeah. Yeah, she murdered two people. Yeah, I believe Eva may be one of the only uh, Escape the Night characters with a body count of her own. I think you are correct. Um, I believe she, there may be others, but she's definitely. I think it's the only human that I can think. Yeah, not, I'm not counting like the monsters because it's a little different, but I think she's the only one who's directly killed another character. Yes. And she's definitely the only one in season one who does it. And so they, uh, she's kind of riding on that. They get the briefcase. And Colin starts smoking. Which is weird to see, just yeah. in media these days. And Joey takes Colin's lighter and they, like, try to set the box on fire. And they need to figure out the box for the gold. And they find the key for the final gold box. And they need to uh, have a competition. And it's the death challenge to yes. be able to open the box with the bar of gold. And it is Eva and Tim. It's Eva and Tim in a game of battleship, basically. Battleship and Russian roulette. Yes. So basically, uh, we put our different people uh, in on the board. They're not chips. They're like people. And we fire shots back at each other. If your opponent lands a hit, you have to do a round of Russian roulette with the gun. Now, for getting back to game theory and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't believe they spin it every time. No, they don't. So, you know, basically there's a one in six chance that you'll lose on a hit. Once you pull the trigger and it's not a hit or it's not a an elimination, we'll call it. It's now one in five. What that also means, though, is if I got a hit on you. Mm-hmm. And then you pull the trigger and you're safe. I now have one less target for you, for me to hit on your battlefield board. And I still have all my targets. So the chances of you making me pull the trigger next has also increased. Yes. So there's a heavy, heavy luck issue with this one. And there's, there's always at least one challenge in Escape the Night that does have luck, uh, involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would dare say any challenge that involves another character having to help you is luck-based. Yes. Um, and, and I will say it now, again, game theory for a reality show, not great. Very, very intriguing television for me, just viewing this as a story, because I know that. <laughs> it is. And we've watched three seasons of Escape the Night now. This is the only death that really has this... Uh, suspense to it. Yeah. Uh, like, you and I are usually laughing and, like, MST3K chatting during it. Yeah. We were both bone silent during this episode. Mm-hmm. And, or during this challenge. And we were both, like, very shook. Yeah. 
Um, and they each have to fire the gun once. Yeah, and I'd also like to point out that this is pro- this is the only like lonely challenge because while there's not a lot of challenges where the rest of the the crew get to watch, there are some. But there's at least one other person kind of adjudicating things. Yeah. That we see that's usually like a monster or a ghost or a mermaid or a spider. Uh, in this, it's just the two of them, which like really ramps up the intensity of this. And it's very quiet. And they're just in this like very brightly lit house. So it's like daylight horror. Even though it's not daylight, they're still in the nighttime. It looks very bright. It looks a little dusky. Yeah. And they do what I refer to as uh, the Batgirl shot from Batman the Animated Series. And it is pretty clear that someone stepped in and said, you cannot show people putting a gun to their head and pulling the trigger. So they don't. All they do is show the reaction of the other person, Mm -hmm. which is so much worse. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, uh, uh. And by this point in the show, everyone's a little more fond of one another. So neither Tim nor Eva really wants the other one to die. Right. Um, Neither Tim nor Eva is happy with either outcome. And it's scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And it is riveting, and they each have to pull the trigger at least once. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tim pulls the trigger, and he is unlucky. We hear a bang. And we watch Eva flinch and burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Which is a very realistic reaction. Instead of, like, over-the-top horror movie screaming. Yeah. She's upset. Yes. And... She... Oh my god, know what I just realized? What? It's the shot from Tiger King. <laughs> like, Tiger King has that exact shot in it. Yeah. She gets the case with the gold and gives it to Colin, and she asks, was it worth it? And this is the first time we've seen someone get mad at another character. Yeah. And Colin goes, yep, and takes the gold and leaves. And... He didn't die. He's fine. And Eva walks back, and she's still upset. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how that one ends. Um, that one's, a, it's a rough one. It's definitely, I think it's the single saddest yeah. episode. Even though there are sadder deaths, this one's the most, like, because there's a weird realism to it. Yeah. Um, And I, I think in terms of Tim's character... Like, I could see someone watching this show and not liking Tim. Yeah. Because of the stuff he says. But he's a very loud character. So when he's gone, you really feel the lack of his presence. Yeah. It's it's also um, the playtime's over. Death. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like in a lot of shows that have a serious element... I just thought that was going to make a noise, so. This has been making a noise the whole time. If you get, Guys, if you hear a clanging, it's my drink. Yeah, I was just, I, I didn't know if you wanted to edit it out. So in a lot of serious reality or LARP type shows, there's usually the last funny one. 
Right. Before things get serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the last elimination before we are down to the wire. In a dating reality show, it's like when the last not mm-hmm. realistic prospect gets yeah. voted out. When, when all your villains are gone and all that is left are the people that you care about. And you know that they still have to dwindle in numbers. It's that feeling. It's not even your villains. It's when all of the people who you don't think are going to realistically win right. are gone. Like not even your villains, but like you're emotionally invested in everyone left. Right. Because uh, in like a Daisy of Love type show, there were comedy competitors, right? Who were funny, and when they get, they're naturally going to get eliminated early, mm-hmm. but they make the show entertaining. When you get down to the last three or four, we're we're past the funny ones. Yes, gotcha. And Tim and Tim's elimination being very rough, like it's not a comedy death. There's a couple kind of comedy deaths. Right. Where people, in especially in later seasons, die in a way that's like almost kind of funny for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spider death in season two is kind of funny. Right. Um, and this one's just so not funny. Yeah. And it's the only time they've run a disclaimer yes. in seasons one, two, or three. And they run it again right before the game, I believe. Yes. Yeah. I believe they run it again during the special. Oh, yeah, they do run it again during the special as well. Um, so we get the cinematic for the next episode, and it's, you're in an asylum. And it's not, like, a nice asylum. It's a Victorian-era, like, a bedlam house. Can you name one piece of media with a nice asylum in it? I, I know, but, like, there are legitimate <laughs> mental hospitals. Oh, I know. They're I'm usually not called asylums. Yeah, um, that, yeah, that, that kind of has a tainted feel to it. Um, but they... So it's it's a, what would be called now in literature a bedlam house. Okay. Like, that kind of mental health facility mm-hmm. that was really just, like, a holding pen for the mentally ill. Right. Instead of actually working on helping them. And the patient talks about having, like, uh, hallucinations that are kind of unnerving. And every time he mentions having a hallucination, he gets shocked. Mm-hmm. And uh, the patient is able to sneak out right after he notices the doctor turn the, uh, turn the knob on the shock therapy machine up much, much further. Right. And he was visibly suffering, the patient was suffering at the uh, level it was on. Yeah. So for him to turn it up like that, like, you know this man is going to be in physical pain, if not dead. Yeah. And so the patient slips out and then grabs a scalpel and murders the uh, psychiatrist. Yes. And makes his way back to his home, which, of course, is the manor. What do you know? And so they kind of need to find who the next owner is, who the final owner is. Because it's the last owner. And they find he's in the attic. Yes. Which to me, I'm like, oh, he's just been kicking it in the attic the whole time. I mean, technically all of this mermaid has been in the the tub the whole time. Just like, they've been... There's a lot of people in this house. Yeah, they kind of figure out how to uh, justify that by season three. Yeah. Uh, season three does a much better job of justifying 
why we never see anybody before it's their time. And this one, they still kind of just like, it's a big house. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? So they find Vincent in a straitjacket and that he needs to send them into his hallucinations. Yes. And they need to brave his hallucinations and retrieve things for him. Mm -hmm. So they have to do the plant challenge to get the the plant man. Yes, because Adam Lawson needed to have a swamp monster. I mean, yeah. You always need your swamp monster. Mm -hmm. And... I want to point out that as they're running to this greenhouse, Joey just kind of yells, As much as I want us all to get through this, I feel like one of us still could be with the evil. Because it was like a plot point we had forgotten to bring up in a bit. Yeah. (laughs) This reminds me of something. Yeah. It reminds me of whodunit. When Giles, uh, on the last scared and spared card, Giles looks at Chris and goes, You've never been scared. Interesting. Yeah. Which was actually accidental. Right. This feels less accidental. This feels like a producer was like, Joey, we, we forgot this plot point and yeah, we're we, getting to the finale. We need you to, we gotta, we gotta mention this. And uh, the plant man is their friend. Yes. He helps them by getting rid of the zombie who's chasing them. Yes. And then they need to get the circle of stones and there's these this creepy mask challenge. This is a cool challenge. This is a really cool challenge. Um, so she's this like, uh, you know, a masked swordswoman. She's scary. She's very fluid and graceful. Yes. She has this like weird pin mask. Yes. And they have to find the masks that answer the questions in the riddles. Yes. And each riddle is solved by grabbing that riddle's answer mask, and then the next riddle is inside that yes. mask. Now, if they're wrong, the uh, the mistress of the masks will kill one of them. But they each have, like, an extra life mechanic with this uh, burlap sack. And when yes. I say kill, I mean make um, th- them vanish from this challenge. Uh, which, again, they seem to figure out more in later seasons. Yes. Um, how to do the elimination in a way that feels less confusing. Yes. Uh, Because one of the problems with this kind of elimination is there are some deaths that are similarly quick and arbitrary. Excuse me. (laughs) There are some deaths that are similarly quick and arbitrary. So you have to figure out a way to tell the difference between a gameplay elimination and a show elimination. Yeah. And having that... Like, you're in the hallucination, uh, you'll be dismissed from the hallucination, but not dead. Right. It's not if you die in the game, you die in real life. Right. So they found a way around it in this one, but it's still kind of unclear. Mm -hmm. You get kind of Thanos snapped, and then you come back later. Yeah. Uh, They get get some right, uh, and Ollie has lost his first life on the first riddle. Mm -hmm. And then Ollie gets kicked. Yes. Because she's not going to take each one of their first life. It's your, they take your extra life and then they go after you. Yeah. It's not like she was going to take Ollie, then take Lele. And they realize the last mask is the swordswoman. Right. Uh, so they take her mask and that's the last, uh, that's the last clue for that part. The swordswoman chases them back into the house and Ollie's there like, hi, what's up? There's still one more. Mm-hmm. 
And they have to go to the basement for the deadly hallucination. And this is the elimination challenge. Yes. Now, they set up... They do this, I believe, in every penultimate episode of Escape the Night. Each player puts their own name in. Yeah, since they're down the four, they're like, let's all just put ourselves in. But I also felt like they knew that if you went into the death challenge, you would have to pick a partner. Which I think they made a mistake. There's a a gameplay element here that I think is being missed Mm -hmm. of... This argument of, well, if I'm in the death challenge, I want Ali as my partner. So can we make it so it's not me versus Ali? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a discussion that you're meant to kind of be forced into having. Because, you know, you don't want to go up against your best friend who's going to do the best job trying to save you. Right. So, like, they never kind of come to that conclusion. They're just like, let's leave it up to the cards. And this kind of happens because Lele and Ollie end up being the two sent into the challenge. Ollie chooses Eva. Eva, who has solved a lot of riddles and a lot of puzzles and survived her own death challenge and has been pretty successful as a character, she also spared Lele mm-hmm. in the first death challenge. Yeah. And Lele gets Joey. Gets good on Joey. And it is, at best, unfair. Yeah, so the the challenge is that they are strapped to an electric chair, and, there are, and it's a ring toss game. It is. It's <laughs> a little brutal to watch. And uh, <laughs> if you miss, it shocks the occupants of the chairs. And you have a half hour time limit, which tells you how um, <laughs> athletic they expected the YouTubers to be. That they gave them a half an so hour. And then in a half hour, we're just going to electrify both of them because we're not going to sit here. Uh, it reminds me, uh, there, there's an episode of Survivor where uh, they end up at a tie with uh, a tribal council. Yes. And the way ties work is they vote again. And if they tie again, it's past tribal councils. Mm -hmm. And then if it's still a tie, uh, they had to do a challenge where they had to build fire and burn a a rope that was like across their fire. And it was whoever could do that the fastest wins. And they try for a half hour and you see Jeff Probst like starting to fall asleep. (laughs) And he eventually just goes, stop. We're going to give you both matches. <laughs> oh, my God. And then after that episode, they never did that challenge anymore. That's kind of hilarious. <laughs> so, like, the fact that they had that built-in escape hatch of, like, we're not going to sit here all night and electrify Lele. It's just not happening. She's wet from the pool. It's too cruel. They do, like... When Eva and Joey miss, Lele and Ollie do pretty convincingly scream. Yeah, I believe they're being shot. It hurts so much. You got this, come on. You can do this. That's oh my right. god, how That's do I right. do this? Whatever. I'm screaming to death. I'm in so much pain because it's real, like really electrifying. You got this, come on. Uh, they do an electric, uh, not a major challenge, but there is an electric element to a challenge mm-hmm. in season three. Yes. So they do have like... I mean, as someone who has created a reality show that nobody has seen yet, and I'm sorry, we're working on it, 
Uh, I do electrocute someone in that show. And we do it for real. And it's really fun. That's the end of that thought. <laughs> Noah's doing what he thinks is a winning smile right now that you can't see. And I have seen what this does to people, and it's mean. <laughs> um, game the Gamer. It's coming soon, I promise. So, uh, Eva is ultimately successful. And uh, Ali is safe, and Lele dies horribly. Well, it, Lele also screams something like, You can do Sorry, this! please try! You can do this. I'm trying! You're not trying! Yes, I am! I'm getting super pissed at Joey. He's literally throwing it on my feet. Yeah, they actually... TV Tropes has a list of everyone's last words. Yeah. And Eva, Lele's are, you're not trying. <laughs> and That's why she killed Joey. So Lele dies and there is a, a moment where like Lele dies and Joey has to get the artifact and Eva gets Ollie. And it's this nice little like relationship moment between the two of them. Where, like, Eva and Ollie are the survivors. And they kind of, like, take that moment to look at each other and be like, okay, we've got the, all the uh, owners of the house. we got all the artifacts. We're going to make it through. But someone's in league with the house. Mm-hmm. And that's about to come into play. Yes. And so they take the uh, keys back to Vincent, who's, un- who's able to get himself out of a straitjacket, and... Uh, Arthur, the butler, comes in and we find out that Arthur is in league with the house. Yes, and, it's the, but- the butler did it. And Vincent pretty much goes full Doctor Who and goes, basically, run. And the three of them take off running and that is the end of the episode. Yes. Um, which... We were privileged enough to be watching all of these in a row. Man, it would suck to have to wait a week between these. Yeah, it would. It really would. Uh, I mean, we haven't had that experience with television in quite some time. Yeah, What's the last show we watched week to week? Oh my god, I'm not even sure. R- besides wrestling. For me, it may have been Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think I think that's right. That'll teach me. Yeah. <laughs> I should have waited until that was over. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not... Because of the way we consume media has changed so much, I have never... I haven't watched a show week to week. Um, I've tried to savor shows a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> um, no. How many episodes of Escape the Night Season 3 did we watch before recording? All of them. How many did we watch... Immediately, oh, in a sitting? I think four or five. Seven. Seven. I'm sorry, seven. We watched the five final episodes of season three, the behind the scenes, and the uh, monster documentary. This is spoiler free right now. Right. If you did not watch the monster documentary after season three of Escape the Night, please do yourself a favor. It is so funny. It is. It uh, is. I don't want to tell you any more than that, because what makes it funny is how how much you're not expecting it to be what it is. Right. Uh, so it's a little different than you're expecting, and it's great. Yeah. It. it I'm going to have a whole thing to say about it at the end, so I will. I will bite my tongue for now. Okay. Um. So are we ready to move on to the finale? 
Uh, hold for a moment because there's something I, I'm trying to find. Okay. So are we ready to move on to the finale? Yes, let's move on to the finale. I do want to say that uh, I did find this out from, from Adam Lawson, or, or rather uh, a fan sent this to me, M sent this to me, uh, and apparently Adam Lawson said that, uh, as my phone turns so I can't read, oh, here we go, uh, the reason I brought the twist with the idea of a traitor was to see if the YouTubers could figure out who it was. I had a different plot line running in case they figured it out before it was revealed at the end of episode 9, which didn't come into play. So there's an entire alternate reality where this show features them going, hey, the butler's evil on episode 6, yeah. and the show's completely different, which is wild to think Like about. if you had a Lindsay... Like, Lindsay from Who Done It, Yeah. Who nails Chris as the killer on, like, the second episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, because you and I actually got into an extensive discussion about episode two. Or, excuse me, season two. And how the death challenge in the first episode, if it had gone the other way, how it would have informed the rest of the show. Yes, yes. We, I won't, we'll get into that after. Yeah. So we don't so spoil like, we, But what I'm saying is, like, how they do have to rewrite things on the fly in yes. the show. So, in the last one, we see Arthur uh, narrating his own voiceover. And these haven't had voiceovers before. The cinematics have had, like, little mini-movies, but we've never seen a full voiceover. And Arthur kind of talks about how he's a con man. Right. And he's got a rich wife, and he poisons her. Mm Mm-hmm. And he wishes her a happy birthday, or a happy anniversary. Yes. She dies, and he's like... Well, all right. And he pulls off his wedding band and throws it on his wife. Um, <laughs> so evil. And then he walks over to the window of their bedroom and gets a call from the demon of the mansion. And so now he's like, well, this is my evil mansion now. Mm-hmm. And that's how it starts. One, terrible con man. You wouldn't take off your way. You would have to play the aggrieved widower to get the yeah. money first. Bush League villains. Um, so the guests are immediately captured by the house staff. Yes. Which is super interesting. Because we usually don't see the survivors like on the outs mm-hmm. in the first, I don't know, minute and a half. Right. And they're terrified as to what has befallen them in the past nine hours. Because each hour of the show is supposedly an hour in real time. Really does really certain episodes feel like they were very they happen over a very short time, but it's very weird when you realize mm-hmm. a show you've been watching week to week, like Ollie and Eva should be just gone mentally because they've had eight people die. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they are chloroformed and thrown into the torture room. Yes, because you know 
Every mansion's got a torture room. Yeah, and a doll room. And a mermaid. And so they wake up and they find uh, things that they could solve. Yeah, they, they have to basically break out. And, uh, like, Joey can reach a key, but a key the key doesn't help him. Yes. Uh, the key is for Eva. And so each of them is able to get to things that help the other. So the only way they can get through this is with teamwork. Right. Because it's no longer a competitive game. Right. We, uh, the finale, once you get to the finale, these are the people who are meant to survive. Yes. So it's kind of, there are fail states. Yes. From what I understand. Yes. I have something to say about this. Uh, basically, th- what this episode entails is them running around from uh, the butler and also, like, all the other lieutenants. Yes. So, like, everyone is, every monster is back and on the lookout to, like, kill them. Uh, Adam Lawson says. Yes. Uh, when I asked, like, hey, did anything go wrong? He says, uh, almost everything that happened in episode 10. That episode played out with no holds or anything. So what that basically is saying is, like, there are no edits in that that are, like, cheats. Okay. Like, that game, once it started, continued. So, like, they're never like, stop, we got to reset something or something like that. That just kept going. Uh, That started with no holds or anything. It started to rain... Aww. So you have all these people outside in the rain, like wearing makeup and prosthetics and oh stuff like God. that. And, and running through like slick grass and stuff. And Eva's still wearing like character shoes. Yes. And he goes on to say, and that was one of the most exciting moments, real time filmmaking, which makes me love him. Yeah. Because I I really appreciate anyone that, like, when is faced with a challenge, it's just like, I'm game. Let's go. Awesome. So kudos, my man. Yeah. Like, this is very much how you operate. Yeah. This is how you survive. Like, I've gone, I've done a lot of shows with you. Mm-hmm. And the more things go wrong, the more you seem to enjoy it. It's like, yeah. That, that, that's 100% true. Uh, for those of you who don't know this about us, but are fans of Stay Doomed, we're stand-up comedians. And we usually... And game show hosts. And game show hosts. And we perform usually at conventions. And the problem with stand-up is no one knows what you need for stand-up. They're like, they're just going to stand up and do jokes, right? We can stick them in a closet. So it's very often where I walk into a show... And it's like, all right, all the chairs are facing the wall. (laughs) The stage is five feet by five feet and has a table on it. And that's what the microphone's attached to. Go. And when I see that, I'm like, all right, show's in 20 minutes. Let's fix it. And like when my back's up against the wall, oh, I'm not ready for a show. So. uh, And it's one of the reasons we do work well together is because I'm Captain Contingency Plan. Yeah. Like, if you've ever seen me at a show, I never just have a purse with me. Mm -hmm. It's always this, like, Mary Poppins Captain Marvel backpack with, like, I got got that cord. Yes. Like. There's something so special about going to a convention, having someone come up to me going, I'm so sorry we don't have a microphone. And me going, I brought one. (laughs) And it's just great. They're like, you have a solution? (laughs) I, I believe there was one point where you 
went up to a convention and were like, this is the problem we're having. Here's how I can solve this problem if <laughs> this is okay with you. And the staff member looked at you like, yeah, oh my God, do it. Yeah, like, why are you bothering to even talk to me? <laughs> Just go do that. So it's bananas. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't realize so many things went wrong with this because it yeah. does run fairly well. It looks great. It like, this feels really intense. Like they're they're constantly in danger in trying to do all these things. Because the thing this. the thing they're in this. danger is they've all been injected with a serum. Yes, that will eventually make them complacent and will turn them into more house servants. Yes, um, and uh, they need to get out by sunrise, which is at six a.m. Mm-hmm. And they need to find Arthur's brother. Yes. Arthur's brother is very, very mad at him and wants to kill him. Yes. So they're, you know, they're going through it and they cannot be seen. Mm-hmm. And they they explain the hiding mechanism. It's out of sight. It is uh, like chase. Yeah, it, it's a video game. Yeah. Like, if you're out of the cone of vision, you're not there. Like, you can be kind of making noise, mm-hmm. but they won't, if they can't see you... They can't, like, go look in the bushes for you. Yeah. Um, They ignore the fact that there is a camera pointed behind the recliner. Yes. (laughs) And Sarah is in the house. Marvin is guarding the sides of the house. And Arthur is in the backyard. Right. Uh, Sarah does the very, very classic horror movie, action movie thing. Sarah singles out Eva. Mm Mm-hmm. The entire time in they're, they're in the house, Sarah is actively looking for Eva and yes. Eva alone. Mm-hmm. Which is this very, like, the female... It's two men and two women. Mm-hmm. Or two men and one woman in both directions. Yeah. And so they kind of have to get around to get all these puzzle pieces while not getting seen. And they have to get something out of a reflecting pool. They think it's the pool in the backyard. It's not. There's another fountain in front of the house. Yes. So they, they're able to get it, and they receive uh, they receive two gemstones, and then they have to put the gemstones in the eyes of the gargoyle on the second floor of the house. Uh, and I believe Ollie is on the gargoyle um, in the intro. Because we'll talk about the intro a little mm-hmm. bit. Yes. Um, at the very end. And they have to put the rubies in its eyes and the box pops out for their next clue. And they have to go save the brother. Right. So they need to get the brother and they finally get him out. Mm -hmm. Arthur's brother was the last owner of the house. Mm -hmm. And Arthur's brother has a hook hand. Mm-hmm. And when they find him, Arthur's brother's like, I'm a murder people. And Eva, Ollie, and Joey are like, not us, right? Not us, right? And Arthur's brother essentially is like, no, you're cool. <laughs> and just like pushes past them to go murder people with his hook hand. Yes. And this is clearly done to spare the YouTubers um, elaborate stage combat they yeah, would not they, have had training they, in. They can't get violent. Yeah. And this is a great way around it, in my opinion. And they do this well in every season of, of Escape the Night. They mm-hmm. do... They find a way to evade heavy stage combat. Like, yes. when a character is beaten to death in season three, 
that character is taken behind a trash can so we don't see anything graphic. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have to see a character uh, not know how to sell a blow. Mm-hmm. So uh, Arthur is able to get his brother. Mm-hmm. And his brother and him mortally wound each other and die together. And the guests go back in the house because Arthur's brother, after killing Arthur, kind of goes, Rawr! Mm-hmm. And Ollie, Eva, and Joey are like, oh, poopy, and go run back in the house. And uh, Joey sees the deed to the manor and pockets it. Yes. Joey pockets the deed to his house, and they draw the circle of salt. They bind the fourth artifact. Ollie reads the spell, and they're able to banish the evil from the house. Um, they need to bury the artifacts and haul ass. Mm-hmm. And they have about five minutes to do it. And, like... They are no longer playing. Like, everyone's really sells being exhausted and done with it. Like, mm-hmm. Eva and Ollie are just digging this hole. And they're just annoyed and tired and over it. And they finally do it. And they run and leave the house. They get past the gate of the house. And as Joey passes the threshold of the gate, a crack runs across mm-hmm. his face. And his eyes go black. And then they fade back to normal. And he rejoins Eva and Ollie. There's also a really funny shot here. They have escaped the night. There's a funny shot where Joey and Eva stop to look back at the house. Mm-hmm. And Ollie clearly missed the direction. Nope. <laughs> I kind of feel like he's like, I'm done. I don't want to remember anything about this. So he misses the stage direction and just keeps walking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Eva and Joey like stop and take a last look at the house. And that's how the season ends. Yes. And then there's a little behind-the-scenes doc that runs after that of how to kill a YouTuber. Yeah, I mean, th- we didn't gain a lot from this. We gained very little from uh, it. Other than the fact that we learned that Joey is basically in the dark the whole time. Yes, and, Joey doesn't know any better than anyone else. And, like, I know Joey had a lot of input, but for some reason this documentary does not portray that enough. Because it kind of creates this feeling of, like, Joey being like, hey, Adam, I have a great idea for a show. Murder House. Make a show for me. (laughs) I don't know anything, and I get to be the star. How about that? And I know that that's not true, but, like, that's kind of a message that I got from it. I was like, ugh. It's edited really poorly to kind Mm. of be like, hey, make my Murder House show. Yay. So, we're in a bit of a weird situation right now yeah uh like i i've said basically all of my research i don't know if you have any bonus research about season one you'd like to bring up i do not okay because you did a lot of research and i didn't want to step on you gotcha uh so we're going to talk about some stuff uh, uh after season one but since we're done kind of talking about season one i think we should give it a verdict now um okay so what do you think i think it's a stay tuned okay um because I'm also thinking about it as I was not necessarily the target audience for season one. Right. The target audience for season one is people who had a relationship with these YouTubers before the show, which I really didn't. Mm-hmm. And the show grew on me despite me not having a relationship with them. So if I'm not the target audience and I still care by the end of the series and I'm still enjoying it, it's clearly doing something right. And 
I think it can only go up from here. Right. And they do set up that, like, Joey's now marked by evil. Mm -hmm. A good sequel hook. Yeah. The show does do well with sequel hooks. Yes. Uh, I would say that this is a stay tuned as well, Mm -hmm. because once it clicked what the show was, I adored this show. Yes. I absolutely love this show once I stopped trying to make it Survivor in my brain. Yes. Uh, I, like... It it came from it when my brain changed from if I was on the show how would I win mm-hmm. to if I was on this show how would I make the story better yeah totally got the show and I loved it and like I can't think of a, another really good improv show because that's really what this is and they lean on it really hard in season two. Previously on Escape the Night, unscripted, unrehearsed. Yes. And I want to say this, though, before we move on. Yeah. This totally feels like, this season, a show we would cover on Stay Doomed. Yes. Like, this feels like a show that's really good and would get canceled in one season. Yes. But it doesn't, which is amazing, because I spend a lot of time... On this show going, man, I really loved this. Like, had this had been canceled, I could totally hear myself saying, I love this show, but I understand it was canceled because they didn't explain the puzzles well enough. I didn't know who these people were, and I didn't quite understand the concept of the show. Yeah. It's amazing getting to review something with a second season. Yes. And seeing them fix it. Oh, my God. Because... Now now we'll start talking about pe- uh, the next couple seasons. So if you haven't watched seasons two or three, um, do not... Uh, if you haven't watched seasons two or three... Y- you can sign off now. I'm not going to get into heavy spoilers. Like, I'm not going to say who wins and stuff, but there's some specific things I do But I talk might, about. so... Yeah. Laura makes no such promises. Um, there's a moment... Now, we have not seen season four yet. Yeah, so no, no, no season four spoilers. But there's a moment in season two. It's the first death challenge... Where they say something like, uh, triangulate the stars to find your next clue. And a character finds two of the stars and goes, I have two of them. Where's the third one? And it is a pin on someone who's standing behind them. And the show highlights it. And I was like, oh my God, I understand the challenge now. This is everything I wanted in season one. And from that moment on, they freaking get it and they nail it. I understand every challenge and I'm totally on board and I'm so thrilled. I love that you tried to hide the spoiler that it's the first challenge in season two. That is that triangulate the star. I said it was the first challenge. Oh, okay. I thought you didn't. I'm sorry. No, I I didn't say who, who was in it. Oh, okay. But like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my God, they, they, they learned. This show is going to be spectacular from here on out. And, and they really, man, is it. And they really emphasize to the cast to set up relationships with one another. Uh, let the audience see where you connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Not just in antagonistic relationships. Yeah. But like also who becomes friendly, who is going to go to the mat for someone else. Because uh, if one time there might be a challenge where it's, you know, sacrifice yourself or sacrifice someone else. And the audience could buy you sacrificing yourself. Yes. Because they make it more character driven instead of the person driven. Yes. Because I don't know if this has come up on the show, but man, is it true. 
Uh, if you were to play D&D with me <laughs> and you really, really want to win at D&D, like you want to have the coolest battles and be the most victorious. You're going to have a bad time. Don't play with me. But if you want to have a really fun game with a quirky character, play with me. Because every D&D character I make is like an insane thief or has some sort of weird addiction he can't get over, or some weird quirk that disrupts the uh, success of the campaign, but tells a good story. And that's what this show is, and it's amazing. The rest of this episode is going to be gushing. Spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, uh, season two, uh, the thing that needs to be addressed with season two is season two... Was the, they were like, PG-13, huh? Let's push it. Oh, man, is it horny. This season is so much hornier than it last. It is the horniest thing I've the, ever seen. The horniest episode of season one is definitely the perverse games with the dolls. Yes. And that's not that bad. Even I mean, you could say the mermaid episode, but that's really not. Her nudity is only sexualized by Timothy. Yes. Um. In season two... Uh, like every episode is hot villain. Yeah, like <laughs> that spider lady. Like everything is like season two is a lot. It is. It's a lot. It's a hot sorceress. It's a, it's hot. It, like the first two episodes hinge on a vampire orgy. Yeah, vampire orgy, sexy spiders, sexy gingerbread woman. Just G- all no. of them. Hey. I liked her. All right. <laughs> um, the, I mean, sexy robot. Sexy robot. Uh, so season two, they clearly figure out, but there's also archetypes that you can see within seasons mm-hmm. of, uh, like, Eva is the smart girl mm-hmm. in season one. She is clearly the predecessor to Liza in season two. And Sophia in season three. Yeah. These characters who are very much like the girl who solves the problems. Yeah. The fixers. Yeah. Which is funny because neither none of them. None of those were the fixers. (laughs) Um, The fixer is Andrea who dies very, very early. Yes. In season one. And there's always, you know, uh, season two, we had an elaborate discussion about the first death challenge in Mm -hmm. season two. It's Lauren and DeStorm. Yes. And Lauren goes into the show with her boyfriend at the time, Alex. Yes. And you and I discussed how different the show would be in how it feels if DeStorm had been the one who had died earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Purely because you'd have this situation of, uh, you then have a couple. Yes. And that does change the dynamic. Because in season three, you have sets of close friends, mm-hmm. but you do, we never have that couple dynamic. Mm-hmm. Probably because over the course of a night, because this is always theoretically one night, um, you don't really have time to build that kind of relationship if you didn't come in with it. Uh, several characters in season three refer to their best friend. Yeah. And... I don't know if those people knew each other going in. Right. Or if that relationship grew through this experience. Yeah. I mean, Nikita says in the behind the scenes of season three 
that she met several people for the first time mm-hmm. during the uh, filming. So, but she says several people, not everyone. Right. So I imagine there are people who know each other. There are probably people who've collaborated and there are people who are like, I have no idea who you are. Right. Uh, I'm really excited to watch All Stars because I'm very excited to see what they do with the ability to bring people back. Yes. Uh, because season three, I mean, if you see anything on Escape the Night, you see that season four is All Stars mm-hmm. and brings back several people. Right. And it's very, very interesting to see how they're going to do that. So season two really ramps up the sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has a huge gender problem. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the women's costumes are, by nature, significantly harder to move in. Yeah, we, ha- we have this problem more. Because um, we saw this in season one. But in the spider challenge, like, you have Gabby, fortunately, who does not care. Mm-hmm. And Gabby's, like, showing her butt all over the place because she is just doing the challenge, not really paying heed to modesty. Yeah. Because she's probably wearing, like, enough undergarments. She's like, you're not going to see my butt anyway. (laughs) Um, But she's, like, climbing a cargo net web Mm -hmm. in a very slinky dress. Right. And it's one of the big problems I think this show deals with. Yeah. In season three, when it becomes comfortable 70s clothes. (laughs) Yes and no. Uh, certain characters are in more comfortable outfits. Um, like Rosanna Pensino, who's the jet setter, mm-hmm. is in like a little cute stockings and skirt combo that's fairly easy to move in. Uh, Sophia is the investigative reporter, so she's outright wearing pants. Yeah. Um, Teal is the super spy, so she's got like a jumpsuit that's mm-hmm. pretty easy to move in. But then you have Nikita, who's the troublemaker, who's in like a go-go dress. Yeah. But I feel like... That is Nikita's natural habitat. Yeah, Nikita... <laughs> she can move in heels. Uh, and we see her, like... Yeah. This isn't really a spoiler at all. Nikita runs in heels, like, a lot in yes, season three. Yes, And is faster than some of the boys. Uh, if I may, uh, I really want to talk about comedy theory. Okay. Because, man, do they nail comedy in the later seasons. And okay. Uh, one of the things I learned as a comedian is one of the biggest mistakes you can make is trying to be funny instead of finding humor okay and what i mean by that is uh when you're when you read up on how to do comedy i I read a couple books and stuff like that one of the biggest mistakes is you take a premise and you try to go funny too fast like if i want to write jokes about i don't know what's what's uh, everything's terrible uh uh, about the dmv that's a hacky topic yeah and i'm like you know what's terrible about the dmv it makes you fart it's not true i'm just like farts are funny i'll say farts because that'll get a laugh that's season one type of humor where it's like i just want my iphone back and stuff like that all these things that i'm just a stupid youtuber yes all that stuff that legitimately negates the premise of what the show is all the other jokes and humor that come out of season two and three are is organic in that universe season two has a great moment in the background of an episode mm-hmm. where they're explaining a challenge and Alex is eating a donut that he because Alex in the gingerbread episode eats mm. everything that's not nailed down. Yeah, he eats a donut. Tana looks at him and just bops it out of his hand. 
Yes. He looks at her offended. And then Gabby it rolls. grabs, it rolls, and Gabby picks it up and starts eating it. Amazing. And um, it's really, really funny. One of my favorite moments in season two is there are two characters that are constantly at each other's throats. Like, they really don't like each other. And then they end up in a challenge against each other, a death challenge. And before the challenge, they have to get changed, and you see them, like, throwing pillows at each other and just being really petty. Yeah. Loved it. So funny. Like, the they figure it out in these later seasons. And, like, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Season two blows season one out of the water because they have figured it out. Season three, I would put up against season four of Dexter, season one of Lost, and Clone High as the greatest season of television I've ever watched. Something you guys have to know. Noah has like a big old man crush on MatPat. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. (laughs) I really do enjoy MatPat stuff. But the crafting of season three in terms of monster creation storytelling, game mechanics, character development. It's all done so well. Like, we would go and talk about season three not like it was a reality show. Yeah. We would talk about it like, how is this character motivated moving forward to the next episode? It's true. That's unbelievable for a reality show. I'm also pretty sure we scared someone at the park. Because I was like, and this person's dead, and I don't know what they're going to do now. Like, because I was, you know, talking about this as if they were people. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, you know, the characters in Escape the Night. Season three also, even though a lot of them, they find different kinds of humor. Right. Uh, for instance, uh, Sophia is great at deadpan. Yes, Sophia is a really great dry straight man. And she'll just occasionally say something that's hysterically funny because it's her. Mm-hmm. And Still tied up. Cool. And meanwhile, Nikita and Manny are much more outlandish. Mm-hmm. And they're able to make what they do work because they're significantly more outlandish. Like, they run out and try to just cause a distraction. And it's... Manny yelling, hey, daddy. Mm-hmm. And it's hysterical. But that wouldn't work if Sophia tried to do it. Yeah. Like, everyone figures out their characters really early. Mm-hmm. And some of it is their assigned character. Like, you know, Rosanna's the jet setter. Right. So she kind of is like a uh, spoiled sweet. Yes. Like, she's rich and she can do whatever she wants. But she's sweet. Mm-hmm. And she figures out what that means very quickly. Yeah. And nails that character. They're also really good with the relationships in season three. Yes. Um, because Matt, Pat, and Ro sell a better love story, even if it's a platonic love story. They sell a better love story than Alex and Lauren do. Mm-hmm. Um, in about the same amount of time. So it's very interesting to see how they learn to push the relationships up. They work more with the helper characters. Right. Mortimer and Calliope feel like they're more a part of the cast. Yeah, that's season three. Yeah, than the season one yeah. house staff. And they they function better as a makeshift 
host of type. Because, like, they are kind of, like, pushing the narrative forward. But they're kind of like the NPC that gives quests in a D&D game. Uh, anything more you want to say content of the show before we, I have a lot to say about YouTube Red that I um, want to get into? Honestly, there's a lot more I'd love to talk about seasons two and three, mm-hmm. uh, but too much to really get into. Gotcha, gotcha. We currently are not planning on doing two, seasons two and three because that's not really what this show is. We kind of made a special... Uh, episode or episodes now because it's two episodes because so many people wanted it if you really want us to do episodes two and three let us know we're considering doing the patreon thing it's something that we've never really done uh but if you guys really want it or if you guys are interested in doing some sort of patreon thing it's something we're talking about and we want feedback from you before we do it because we don't want to be those jerks that are like give us money we also do traditionally do somewhat of a hiatus for a little while. And if this is something you guys are interested in, we may be able to maybe plug in some of the hiatus spaces with these episodes. Yeah. Um, because there's media we've already consumed. Yeah. Because um, one of the things with this show is the show takes more time a week than you, you would think. Yeah, because we have to watch everything. We have to record. And then we have to edit. And then I have to find clips. And it's fun. And you don't get the whole conversation we have. Noah does edit things down. Mm-hmm. Usually not for content, but usually, you know, pauses. or I say um a lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> or when we talk over each other yes. and then one of us has to stop and let the other one talk. Um, so we do tend to go on a hiatus because watching the shows is a lot of time. Every time we hang out with our friends, I'm like... How do they have time to watch shows? Yeah. And you always go, well, they don't watch a season yeah. of garbage TV every yeah. week. Yeah, they're not consuming 14 hours of television. <laughs> so this is, uh, but we're enjoying this show, so it might be a good way to plug that hiatus spot. Yes. Uh, so I want to talk about YouTube Red again. Okay. Uh, because one disadvantage that this show has that no other show I've ever enjoyed has had to suffer is the fact that it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Because so often we would be like, oh, what a what a fantastic episode of Escape the Night. I'm kind of done for now. Let's maybe watch a puppy video or something about Disney World. And then we would go to YouTube and YouTube would be like, hey, you just watched season five of Escape the Night. Would you like to watch season six? And we're like, no, YouTube. Let me just scroll over. And they're like, how about Game Grumps? I'm like, no, not into that right now. Okay, how about season nine of, or episode nine of Escape the Night? Here's a thumbnail. It spoils who's still alive. Look at it. That doesn't happen on Netflix. <laughs> I, I tried to make it a point to look down every time those thumbnails pop up for later episodes because I knew they would spoil stuff. Yeah. Because in season two, I was like, oh, well, I guess this person lives... To almost the end. Yeah. So that's a bit of a bummer. And one thing that we said about Prank Academy and uh, Game Lab was this feels very YouTube. This feels like you took a YouTube channel and gave it a budget. Yeah. This show doesn't feel very YouTube. It feels separate from that. But it functions very well as a YouTube Red show. Because we've watched now three seasons 
with people we were not familiar with and going, hey, who is this Nikita? Let's check her out. Yeah. And like, that's really what this show should be doing is making me wonder like, huh, who is Tyler? Let's look into him. I was in Morph and I legitimately considered buying Manny's makeup line yeah, today. That's what these shows should do. And I've literally never watched a Manny MUA video, mm-hmm. but like, I really like him in season three. This show on its own shows what YouTube Red slash YouTube Premium could have been. This really is the perfect YouTube Red show. Taking YouTubers, pulling them out of their environment, giving you a special experience, and leaving you with, I should look into this person. That's exactly what they're trying to create. Yeah. And the fact that there's not more of that really shows the failure of YouTube Red, in my opinion. Yeah, because I grew attached to some of these people. Especially in later seasons where you really start to care about people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because season one doesn't do a great job of building those emotional connections with the cast. Season three, by like episode four, I'm invested in everyone who's left. Yeah. Which is remarkably early for a reality show. Mm -hmm. And like, to kind of like put this into perspective, like, I'm going to say Matt Patches because I'm more familiar with his work. MatPat's been on YouTube for seven years, making a 20-minute video once a week mm-hmm. for seven years. So if you didn't know who MatPat was, watch season three of Escape the Night and was like, hey, I'm going to look into this. There's probably, I don't know, a month's worth of content to watch. Yeah. So through this series, you might spend an extra month of your life watching YouTube. That's exactly what YouTube Red should be doing. Yeah, it really should be. And and you can see where they kind of try to do it with Prank Academy. Yeah. It doesn't quite work because the Prank Academy setup doesn't really work as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I think of Prank Academy in contrast to Swerved. The, which the, was, the WWE show? Yeah, the WWE Network show, which is similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It is a prank show based on you knowing who those people are. Right. And I think the real only reason Swerved is more successful is because they have a smaller pool to draw from. Yeah. So you, you're probably invested in every WWE person you see in a way that you're not invested in every YouTuber because YouTube is such a large world. Yes. Uh, so that being said, uh, we do have it confirmed that uh, what the big announcement was yes. that we teased. Uh, they're making an Escape the Night board game. You and your friends have been invited to play a game that takes you back in time to a house of evil. You must all work together to defeat the wicked force before sunrise or be trapped forever. Society against evil has marked the way with their symbol. You must explore the house to locate their markers, and then fight a horrifying monster or solve a diabolical clue. Each victory is rewarded with a relic. Once all markers have been cleared, you may claim the artifact. However, a mysterious man seeks them as well and will try to stop you. At the end of each turn, players must vote on two characters to undergo a death challenge. 
only one will survive. Time is running out, and on the final turn, all bets are off. Players take actions as fast as they can, while Sam runs through the hourglass. Once the artifacts are gathered, the remaining characters must go to the ritual symbol in the lobby to defeat the evil and return home. The journey will not be easy. There are many ways to lose, and only one way to win. Do you have what it takes to escape the night? Which yes. they have launched on Kickstarter, and I have backed at the $65 level because I want the nice one. Uh, maybe we'll stream us playing it. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a Patreon. Uh, I will say I was a little... Had there been a tier that was super expensive that put you into the game, I would have bought it. If they're like 500 bucks and you're, you know, you could play as the Stay Doom Squad or like the Stay Doomed Monster would come out, I would be giving you my money right now. I think uh, the custom card replaces another card. I, I mean, I want every person that buys this board game to have to deal with the Stay Doomed Monster. That's that's the amount of money I'm willing to put in. How much for that, Adam? I know you're listening. Uh, you know, that might be a Joey question. Joey. I'm, Joey, you're I'm probably not, not sure listening. if you're listening. Uh, Joey, you're on Twitter all the time. Come on now. Yeah. But I will say that uh, they, they said in the Discord that this was kind of showing that Escape the Night is a commodity worth investing in because they're shopping it to another network. Yes. Do you think this show would work on another network? I do. Yeah? Yeah, I think uh, it would need to be another high content network. Yeah. Uh, I would think Netflix. Because Netflix has a lot of homegrown people. Mm-hmm. And people that you can be attached to based on personality. Uh, like, you could have people from... You could have, like, any number of the Queer Eye cast. Or Nicole Byer from Nailed It. So, but, so in this pitch, though, we're, we're losing the YouTuber element. And this is becoming Joey hanging out with, I don't know, Rob Schneider Ugh. from Real Rob. Oh, well, now it needs to be doomed. <laughs> um, I mean, I think if you're using it as a vehicle to push your talent, I'm not sure how many YouTubers have... YouTube is such a weird creature. Yeah. Uh, because there's this weird Logan's Run element of YouTube of if you're over a certain age, you probably can't name YouTubers. Yeah. Because I went to a lunch at work before the Rona and w had to explain who Jenna Marbles was mm -hmm. because my colleague's children love Jenna Marbles. Yes. Now, Jenna Marbles has been on YouTube. Well, she just left, but she was on YouTube for well over a decade. Mm -hmm. So she's one of the, like, old souls of YouTube. Mm. And people over 40 don't necessarily know who she is. So it's questionable who has that kind of reach. Mm -hmm. Maybe, like, a Lily Singh. Yeah. Maybe Jenna Marbles. So you could probably bring in some YouTubers, but they'd have to be people who have a demonstrated following. Yeah. Uh, I I think my, my choice would be sci-fi because I think sci-fi is kind of really trying to find an identity. And I think going after a younger audience would be a good idea. 
Okay. Uh, I personally, I, I have two pitches for what I would love to see season six, if season five is a board game, what season six would be. I would love to see old guard YouTubers. Okay. Like, I would love it to be, it's like, oh my God, it's Jenna Marbles and it's Philip DeFranco and it's Golden Tusk and Venetian Princess is here. And Charlie, who who got his finger bit? Who's probably like 12 now. Yeah. David, who went to the dentist? Rebecca Black? Rebecca Black would be amazing. Yeah, I would love to see that. Or go the complete ridiculous route and only do characters of YouTube. Like Miranda saying. Like Miranda? I know Colleen appears on season three. Yeah, but like, I'm Miranda, I'm the pop star. I'm Poppy. I'm the pop star. Oh my god. <laughs> Hi, I'm Fred. Oh I'm god. the child. <laughs> I'm the angry video game nerd and this sucks ass. Just like <laughs> Danny from Game Grumps, but he has to be Danny Sexbang the whole time. <laughs> I'm Kelly. I'm the cobbler because I like shoes. Oh my god. Shoes. <laughs> oh my god. Shoes. Like having just one word's like shoes. And then just Joey being like, I'm what what's happening? <laughs> Who are all of you people? This is horrible. You look like Colleen. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other place I think this show could actually strive and you wouldn't lose too much of what makes it the show and would be a huge move for this network, Twitch. Yeah. If Twitch could figure out a way to do this and like it would be a live stream and people would be in the chat, like kind of commenting on it. I think Twitch could do something big with this. And with the death of Mixer, Twitch is kind of in a position where they can make a move. Yeah, and because I I keep thinking of Manny has a confessional where he does something. He goes upstairs alone or something. And he goes, I can just hear myself going, don't go upstairs, you stupid bitch. (laughs) And like the idea of a really good like charity thing or fundraiser for their Kickstarter, if you guys are listening, mm. is to do a live watch with cast members. Oh yeah. And have them like kind of do commentary. I feel like that'd be a really good like fundraiser. Yes. Cause it'd be really fun to I would love to watch and up to even season one, which is mm. to me the weakest season of the three that I've seen. I would like to watch even that with commentary. Yeah. Season three, I'd pay actual money. Like mm-hmm. uh, That being said, I think there's there's some, one big thing about season three we got to bring up. This is a long episode, but I got to bring this up. And that is, once again, the uh, documentary about the monsters. Oh, my God. Which I felt like, and I'm going to have to ask him, this was a, an attempt at a spinoff. Do you think? I think it might have been because, man, I would watch 12 episodes of these, of Parks and Recreation Monster Edition. It is, like, I don't want to spoil much of it. It's amazing. I loved it. But it's in, it's in such a different direction because every season has had one or two auxiliary episodes after the main 10. Yes. And they're usually like more of a behind the scenes. Uh, And they're usually a pretty shallow dive. Uh, in two and three, we have the like, oh, meet the cast. Mm-hmm. And the first time we break the kayfabe of Escape the Night and you see uh, a character after she's dead watching yeah. the dailies eating popcorn. Yeah. Um, and I really think that 
I was expecting it to be that kind of shallow dive documentary. Mm -hmm. And instead it went in a totally different direction. Um, If season two is the hotter, sexier one, season three, they go in much more horror direction instead of a fantasy direction. Mm -hmm. And also a horror comedy direction. Yeah. Because the comic timing of a lot of the characters is very good. Mm-hmm. Like when Matt Pat screams, there is no justice here and throws down his police badge. Favorite moment. Uh, right up there with, I don't have any friends. I won't spoil that though. Uh, in any case, uh, I, I will I will talk to Adam and ask him if it is a spin attempt at a spinoff, a backdoor pilot. And if it is, we'll do an episode on just that. Yeah. It was incredible. It'll be a nice it. like little bonus episode uh, during the hiatus. Speaking of Adam. Yes. I did want to bring this up. Uh, Adam has a comic book that he is working on called The Eighth. And in talking to Adam, uh, it is going to run just one arc. Okay. So, for the first time ever, Stay Doomed will be doing a comic book. Oh, that's going to be super fun. So we're going to read this and we're going to review it. Uh, and there probably won't be any clips. Because but it's it, hard to do. But you'll just have to live with it. And then after that, Adam has agreed to come on the show and we'll have a little chat with him. Oh, holy crap! Yeah, so that's going to be great. Guys, Noah doesn't tell me anything. No. It's um, so Adam, will, will. we're still working out the details. We have to read his book first. Uh, but after that, we'll have him on the show. And I'm super excited. Cause where's the book available? I, I'm not sure off the top of my head. Uh, but... Oh, another thing you could do is support the uh, the board game. Check out the Kickstarter. I'll put a link to that below. And also, uh, there's some stretch goals for the board game that don't involve actually giving money. It's like retweeting stuff and posting selfies and stuff like that. So even if you don't have uh, the $40 to put out for the game, consider doing that and support this really cool project. Uh, so there's an Indiegogo with uh, the 8th and... So they, the hardcover's not out yet. There's monthly digital issues. So if you uh, back the Indiegogo, uh, which I don't think you can do anymore because it actually did run and was financed. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, perks are still available in demand. Yeah. So you can still get the, the digital issues. Yes. And they're starting to ship out uh, last week. Excellent. So, so we, we will get on that and we will read it and we'll review it for the show. It probably won't be the next episode. Because it's impossible. But uh, we're definitely going to do that sometime soon. Uh, uh, stay tuned. Uh, Grave Robber M wanted me to bring something up and I wanted to remember to oh, do sure. it before we were done. Uh, he brings up that Joey is cursed, just like Giles and Who Done It. It's very similar dynamic, yeah. And, well, Giles is cursed to go from job to job, and this happens at every job. Yes. Uh, which means M has also read the uh, supplementary novellas. Yes. Which yeah. I also read. The expanded whodunit universe. Which is wild to me still, uh, that they had novellas for a one-season uh, a one-season wonder reality show. But this idea of like having this cursed character and being able to just follow that character... And being able to create different worlds around it. Because, like, the town... The town in season three is so much more... Incredible. Interesting and elaborate than, like, season two's house Mm -hmm. and season one's different house. Yeah. 
so uh, a few little bit of business we got to clear up real quick. Yes. And then before we get out of here, because we're running long this episode. Uh, we did say that we we're going to do the Imagineering story, and then we realized that that was not going to be an interesting episode. I know we made that promise. What? You, this was your words. You said that you didn't want to do the Imagineering story because it was a documentary. Yeah, I still yeah. want to. So we can watch it again if you want. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't make a good episode of Stay Doomed. So we're not going to be doing that. If you want our opinions on it, you can tweet at us. Uh, but what are we watching next week? Uh, we're watching the greatest television event ever. Yes. The, uh, the greatest moment in television history? Perhaps? Sure. I don't know. Uh, I've purposely kept Laura in the dark on this one. Yeah, which is why I hate when you ask me what we're watching next and it's a thing you know about and I don't. That's the format of the show. But and I don't know what we're doing. It's Adam Scott. No one tells me anything. It's Adam Scott and it's uh, from Adult Swim. And that's all Laura knows. So that's all I will say. I dislike Adult Swim, but I love Ben Wyatt. So this should be a very interesting episode. I'm very excited for it. So get ready for that next week. Where can people find us, Laura? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. Yes, and be sure to do that because like we just shown, we'll read your questions and comments on the air if you've already seen uh, the greatest moment in television history. Or if you have cocktail ideas we'll gladly steal your ideas and if you want to talk to me about how they should kill joey and escape the night i'm at plus two comedy on twitter if you would like to discuss your favorite cinnamon roll of stay doomed and why it is you know why it is or isn't eva or ollie i'm at stay doomed until next time stay doomed especially for joey <laughs>